Well, by the way, Doctor, is mystery your sole pleasure? Young man, what could be more pleasant than mystery? Well, music, for instance. Music, why, of course. Yes, yes, one, two, one, two, we coming through clear. Welcome back to another episode of Creative Contact. I'm your host, Kia O'Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning in. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. I'm going to keep this intro uh, pretty short this time around because uh, we the interview runs a little bit long, and I want you to be able to get to that and get the most out of that instead of hearing me, you know, just flapping my gums. So uh, this week, it's the street literature author, Jay Cerrone, who I was put in touch with through Larry Brown, uh, who was on the podcast a couple months ago, and then also put me in touch with Claude Forte. So Larry is the real hookup. Shout out to Larry one time. Um, and so I hopped on the train, went out to um, Kensington, and kicked it with my man Jay Cerrone, who has a couple different books. I'll link them all in the show notes, and we also talk about them a little bit as well. Um, he's the CEO and founder of Paper Chase Publications, and is a, uh, he's an author. He does ghostwriting. He, he writes screenplays. You know, he's, he's kind of a man of... Um, of many different trades when it comes to writing. He does it all. So uh, without further ado, I'll let you hear it from Jay himself. Um, he was a good dude. Uh, let me come kick it with him and, and was really open and honest. I, I tried to keep the interview. I edited a little bit to keep it more about business, but um, you know, he was he was a great guy and, and I appreciate I appreciate him having me out to, to chop it up. So this is the story and the the creative advice from Mr. Jay Cerrone, Paper Chase Publications. Check it out. Thank you again to Jay. All in the show notes. Let's do it. Peace. Came back to Philly in 99. I do voiceovers and some of my own, so I'm about to do uh, what's the name? Audio books. And I guess we can talk about that during the show. Yeah, man, absolutely. So, um, you know, as far as diving into it a little bit, um, like you said, so you originally... From Philly? Yeah, I was born in Philly. Born in Philly? Yeah, born which in part of Philly? Pennsylvania Hospital, which is South Philly. Okay. But um, I moved around a lot growing up. Like, my mom is from Chicago. My father's from Philly. I mean, excuse me. My mom is from Chicago. My father's from New York. They met in Philly. Where? So, um, we kind of, my mom took me and went back to Chicago, like, shortly after I was born. And then, like, it was a lot of back and forth and moving around. Uh, my grandmother was the home base in Philly when the stability, she, she's out west. Down, well, she was. She died a few years ago, but out west, down the bottom, 41st and Gerard, well, on Lighty Avenue, near the zoo. So that was like, and my father had a recording studio in Germantown, so oh, when I was a young boy in the 80s. So if it was, and he says, I was asked that the other night at a radio interview. So if I had to claim a section of the city, like, oh, where are you from in Philly? It would be like West, you know what I'm saying? But I grew, I lived all over, including the counties, you know what I'm saying, growing up in, uh, you know, Philly, New York, Chicago. And even since I've been an adult, I don't stay in one spot too long based on need and what's going on. But, uh, 
Yeah, I'm all over with it. I'm everywhere with it. Um, he's <laughs> everywhere with it. And so, you know, for for the folks that don't know, um, tell tell the people a little bit about sort of uh, who you are, and and we'll dive into the backstory. But I guess sort of where you're at, where you're at, and what you're doing now. Uh, well, um, back in North, well, Kensington area, whatever. Uh, Paper Chase Publications, my company. I started that in two thousand and thirteen. Uh, that's when I put out uh, the first book. This is a original first run copy. This was mangled. The cat <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Illegal Life of North Philly Story was the first book that I put out, and I just put out this book. In December, that's the joint that I was looking at. The like, Prodigal Son, yeah, book one. That's the one that I just put out. So I'm waiting on the next shipment. It'll be in the next couple of weeks. I had to make. I actually updated the cover of Illegal Life. I had the graphic designer update. It's been a minute, and uh, so that's what I do. I write books. Publishing company, Paper Chase Publications. I do ghost writing as far as books, movie scripts, cool. stuff like that. Do you publish? Um, other people's works as well through Paper Chasers? I have not yet, but the the a project that I'm ghostwriting for somebody right now is going to be the first book that I'm going to put out that's somebody else's cool. work. Because yeah, so. I was say, it's a sweet platform. Yeah, thanks. You, know, you, know you got it. Um, okay, cool. So I want to get into that and, and some stories in the book, but before we do, let's dive back into the stories that, you know, got you where you are today okay. as far as, uh, did you grow up in Philly? Uh, I, I grew up all over. So all over. But uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, in Philly County. Um, got kicked out the crib when I was a young boy, like teenage out. That was back in Harlem. Oh, okay. um, yeah. I've been around the block. When, when you were okay, so <laughs> when you were in New York and living in Harlem, um, St. Nicholas uh, projects, 127th and 7th, and then uh, Washington Heights for a minute, a okay. little bit further uptown. When you got kicked out of the crib, were you just doing dumb teenager shit? Like, what? How how old were you around that time? Uh, fifteen. Okay, fifteen. Yeah, I had a strict upbringing. Uh, when when my when we moved back from Chicago, uh, my parents became Jehovah's Witnesses, mm. and I was in grade school at that point, so I was all for it because it got my family. But I didn't care about not being able to celebrate holidays and all of that anymore. Like it got my parents back together. By the time I was 12, 13, it was like, you know, I was dealing with my own things yeah. and, you know, nobody upbringing is perfect. So I just was, I was dealing with my own stuff. I started wilding, you know what I'm saying? And then I wound up in a situation. Now I was, uh, without going into too many details, long story short, I wound up getting kicked out the religion. Like you can get kicked out that religion. So as someone who's, who, who doesn't know much about the religion, mm -hmm. you know, is there a serious like does it take a lot to be inducted into it and then you yeah well see that's the thing so down? you can just be in the religion like by association but you're not technically considered a Jehovah's Witness you have to get baptized they don't practice like infant baptism uh, so like you study the Bible and then you get like full body immersion I got baptized at the vet stadium in South Philly when the, the vet stadium was still oh, wow. it's the early 90s so um and then is get kidding when you get kicked out is it like a big deal yeah, you can't talk to nobody in your family unless you live with them. Yeah, no Jehovah's Witnesses can talk to you. What? No, not even your family members unless you live with them. Yeah, man, yeah. that's great. I mean, you're a young man in New York. 
what do they expect? You're in the young man of Harlem. I was here. Like, oh, I was, was here. here. Oh, because I was yeah. like, I was teenager here. Teenager growing up in in Harlem. It's like I was here, but it happens all the time. It's a very strict religion, and honestly, um, they just like follow their translation of the Bible. Like basically, well, they're supposed to. That's what my family <laughs> did to the, like the letter. Uh, so when it says if you c commit gross sins and you're not repenting, you get disfellowshipped. Like you get, that's what it's called. You get excommunicated. A lot of other religions, especially Christian or other Abrahamic religions, their rules say they do that, but they don't actually do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Jehovah's Witnesses do it. I know. Jehovah's At least they did when I was a serious, kid. Serious when I was a kid, they did. Like I see a lot of people now getting away with stuff that everybody knows they're doing yeah. and, and they should be disfellowshipped and they're not. I don't care. Like, I don't follow it right. anymore. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I got kicked out of the religion. And the and, grim. You know what I'm saying? Damn. Were you living with mommy and dad at the time? Yeah, like, my father's the one who didn't want me to go. Oh, my man. My mom was, was like... And my father's the one who became a Joe's Witness first. That's the funny part. But he had more of an understanding because I'm more like, you know what I mean? You're more like pop. Even, like, what he... Part of why my parents broke up when I was younger and we wound up living in Chicago, that was just with my mother and my little sister and my mother's parents we were living with. Yeah. So uh, he understood. He was more understanding. Didn't want me to wind up dead or in jail, but you can't, you know, do certain things and continue to live here. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I thought I had this joint pregnant uh, in New York, older joint. That was kind of how I wound up back in Harlem. Gotcha. Because so, I was already running back and forth. And okay. Cutting school and sneaking out at night and yeah. hustling. and teen, I mean, teen, yeah, a lot teen, of yeah. teenage Basically. bullshit. Like, Basically. working now with a lot of young men, you realize that they are they look like grown men. Right. But they still got the mentality of a, of a you my, know, a young, young My dude. voice been like this since I was 14. I've been the same height <laughs> since I was 14. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like, they yeah. just, they aren't, it, they don't have bad intentions they just sometimes do stupid shit right and we didn't even have the internet back then yeah social media so fortunately we didn't because you know i see a lot of this stuff now like my son nine year nine years old and it's like a lot of this stuff they get exposed to that they don't even have to be around yeah in real life you know what i'm saying so um yeah i really feel like uh there was a lot a lot of factors going on with me yeah I didn't have to do a lot of stuff I was doing. I got put in certain situations because of the things I was doing. The funny part was the need because the religion was so strict. I'm not blaming it on the religion. Yeah. But when you can do certain things without sneaking to just do average teenage things. Right. It, you don't, it, it might necessarily not get so drastic. When you have to sneak to do anything because you're not allowed to do anything, and if you have an all-or-nothing personality, I just wild. Like, I'm already out here. If I get in trouble for being out here, I'm going to get in trouble anyway. I might as well go the fuck in. That's kind of what was my... And it wasn't just, like, over there. I had other issues, too. You know what I'm saying? I was blowing when I was 13. I was drinking when I was 13. Yeah. Like, I was fucking when I was 13. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was doing a lot of stuff anyway. So then that comes with the need to... Or the, the perceived need to get money. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... Wait, so then you... That happens... And you moved back to Harlem to live with the older John yeah. at that point. Okay, so they're doing that at 15, yeah. which is like pretty grown man Because shit I thought, be I, I mean, then she was, she, come to find out, she was pregnant. Oh, wow. So 
Um, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. But come to find out she was pregnant. So then it's like, oh, now I was doing this shit just to have a little bit of, you know, uh, money for gear yeah, yeah. that they couldn't, that they, you know, or uh, money for whatever I was doing. And now it's like, oh, so if I was already selling a little bit of weed here and there for that, now I think I got a baby on the way. So now you step That's it up. That's when I started, I mean, really, and I'm kicked. Now, I'm got it, now I'm on some grown man shit yeah. for real. So that's when I started like stepping up the, yeah, uh, the illegal activity. Yeah. And as yeah. as the book is aptly titled, you know, yeah. so so you kind of step up your your business game at that point because um, you realize you got to provide. How long does that last before <laughs> either you get caught or you I, get paid I never got booked as a teenager for uh, nothing like that. Um, I didn't get booked for. Uh, Hustling until I was grown and my son was a baby. Really? And I was married for a couple of years, yeah. Wow, so are, is never that... Get, never got booked. In my, that's what led me to start my publishing company. Oh, wow. Because I got two felonies. I, I was a supervisor at a life insurance company and all of that. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, okay, so... so That was out Southwest, 12th District. Walk me through that Bad a little news. bit as far as, you know, you're 15, you're in New York. Between 15 and 20... Uh, I was... Right. I didn't get booked till I was 27. Wow. Okay. So that uh, decade then. Yeah. Um, are, is it all, are you hustling most of that time or no. are you just, you. No, I can't. There was a situation with a joint that I thought I had a child with, thought I had a child when I was a teenager. Ah. Come to find out a few years later that she, the daughter wasn't even mine. So that was a whole oh nother. My God, that's yeah, a that's whole, a whole you nother, got stories on stories. Yeah, right? yeah. that's why I write books. Yeah. You know, like Jay Z said, I read uh, "Let a Life I Can Write a Book On," so I did. Absolutely, you know but it, got a couple of them. Yeah, so at the end of the day, um, and you know, you switch stuff up because there's things that nobody wants to get locked up for. Right. There's certain things that there's no statute limitations on. I ain't no snitch. I ain't no dry snitch. Right, right, right. So there, you know, you gotta switch up things, but it's reality based. What I write about, yeah. I write about what I know. I, absolutely. Um, and so are you, what sort of jobs are you working in between 15, 27? Or oh, what um, are you doing in there? Well, I had like a little couple, like, I mean, that's actually where I got put on to like the real, actually the weight situation because I was trying to get a job at the at the bodega in Harlem and Poppy put me on uh, to running for him. You gotcha. know what I'm saying? Um, that situation was a dead situation after a while because he wound up, uh, moving the PR, mm. so then I wound up linking up with people from the hood, and then we were selling crack. I had a little gas station job here and there, whatever, but that was the main thing. And my father was like, uh, "Oh, you gotta." He, I, I wound up going to school, trade school to be an electrician, which I wish I followed through with. It's a good skill. I was actually good at it. I was very good at it. Was offered jobs, and I was like. They like, oh, we'll pay you eight. Now, mind you, this is like ninety seven, ninety eight. Oh, we'll pay you eight dollars an hour. I'm like, Fuck like no, like, and you see, I was going to take it because it's a real. It was like a steady income. But as soon as the boss said we're going to give you a pager and you have to be on call, I just like immediately in my sixteen year old mind equated it to pager on call anytime for eight dollars an hour. Yeah. Pager on call. <laughs> Anytime, G pack a crack in three four hours. I'm cool. Right. And you know what I'm saying? And how much like, money are you making in that? Yeah, exactly. Well, right. Yeah. So, so. I, I I would hustle a G pack for the ball, and he would front it. I give him back six fifty. 
I get back to three. I keep three fifty. So as a young boy, and then like it's like exactly, dude. Even young kids today, a lot yeah. of times I'm talking to them, and they're like, "You get the job at McDonald's, right?" And nobody's trying to like work for a boss. or you know that's shitting on you, and you're like right. over the hot greasy stove. You're making what ten bucks an hour now compared right. to. I can see the allure, right? You know, and, and we just gotta realize that it's not worth it in the long exactly. run. Exactly, that's why I write how I write because. Is is ninety ninety nine percent of the time it's not a happy ending for anybody that gets involved in that. If, even if you live, you know what I'm saying. Even if you live and don't wind up doing ridiculous amounts of time in prison, you just typically it's not worth it. Yeah. Like it's not the stories of people acting like that. You know, they flipped it into some legitimate business and yada 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 it's so rare it's 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 not even i feel like it's not even worth telling those stories because it gives a false perception of yeah. what's gonna happen right you know what i'm saying it's not it's not it doesn't happen well then let me ask you this at what point then as a young man did your perspective what 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 did it take for you to gain that i always knew better to be honest uh, interesting i always knew better it just you know when you when you have a certain mentality uh especially association and just things that you're dealing with and dealing with daily life. Like I'm grown, man. I'm in my mid thirties. I'm pushing 40 and it takes a lot. Sometimes when I'm fucked up, it takes a lot of like discipline to not do something. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like even, yes. Like this second, you know what I'm saying? Like, you mean? So it takes, I think about, so when you're young and you don't necessarily have certain responsibilities or certain experiences, especially if you don't have some of the factors that I had, like a father telling me, boom, 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 you know what I'm saying? Or whatever, somebody around you uh, that's going to try to tell you better, um, then I'm not surprised because I had some of those things and still was like, I'm living. And especially when you think that when you have a mentality that I'm not going to live past a certain age anyway, I'm not going to live past 16 and don't really give a fuck. I'm saying I don't live past 14. I'm not going to. And then you make it to 14. You're like, oh, 16. (laughs) Oh, we're 18. But I'm not going to. I used to talk to one of my men. It's like 18. We're not going to live past 18. Well, by the time I hit 21, I'm like, oh, wow. And by the time I was 21, I had already been like I came back to Philly, became a Jehovah's Witness again. Was be like an apostle and all, like I reinstated in the religion, graduated high school. That's when I started. Uh, I thought I put that on silent. Graduated my fault. It's all good. Graduated high school. Where'd you graduate high school from? Out the county. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting that you yeah. came back and then decided to get reinstated. Yeah, my father had to talk with me on some like. For, he didn't say this, but he basically was like, I uh, should have get off the toilet. Yeah. Like, I mean, like if you're not doing anything that you're not supposed to do and you're not this, that, and the third. Because me and the John broke up mm. before I even found out the baby wasn't mine. I mean, the baby was almost three years old by the time I realized she wasn't mine. Sometimes, too, you're 15. The women that you're with at 15, as you grow... Sometimes, you know, often you oh, grow yeah, part of that, yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah, I, 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 yeah. I get it. Yeah, she was a smart. <laughs> Wait, so Pop sits you down. He says, yo, man, I want my son back. Do you, If you get reinstated, I'll be a little more lenient with you? Pretty much, pretty much. Um, but it wasn't even like if – it wasn't like an ultimatum type thing. I already knew what it was hitting for. I knew that um, if I ain't get reinstated by the time – I graduated high school, 
like I would be kicked out immediately. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't going to be no back and forth, no whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, because that's how it is. You're not, you can't even talk to your family if you don't live with yeah. them and you shouldn't, whatever. So that's why I just decided, I really he probably just thought I was just like blowing smoke when I was like, all right, I'm going to think about it. And I wound up, you know, you know what, he's right. So I got reinstated at the time, you know. I got reinstated because that was the that was really the only way at the time for me to act right. Hmm. You know what I'm saying that was the motivation for me to act right at the time. I don't abide by, follow, or believe in most of the tenets of that religion. There's principles that I just I don't do organized religion anymore. But um, that's a whole nother book. But uh, basically, yeah. So he said what he said, and I wound up getting reinstated, and things was pretty decent. Found out a couple months before I graduated high school that the baby wasn't mine. Um, I wound up graduating, getting a job at the life insurance company out Horsham, Pennsylvania, Penn Mutual. I used to work at. I had some back and forth. I was not like I'm, I'm far from perfect, and I was fresh out of Wallen. Yeah, I like I was fresh, a fresh off of Wallen. So um, I had some own personal situations. Stopped working there when I was like twenty, twenty one. Went back to New York, North Jersey, went to Miami, got in some nut shit, came back to Philly, started working a job again, started working in accounting. Like, I never went to college. I started working in accounting. It's 222. I started working in <laughs> accounting. I, I'm with the synchronicities. Oh, okay, cool. That's what's up. I started uh, working in accounting at a collections agency, also in Horsham, around the corner from where I used to work. I was working there for a few years till I met um, my now ex-wife. <laughs> And, uh, were you working together? No, no, no. She's from South Jersey. Oh, okay. So, that's, no, we wasn't. That's another story. No, yeah. yeah. Larry met her before, like, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, because at my book release parties and all of that stuff. But, um, yeah. Um, so we met, got together. I was still, I was on a pretty good track as far as my mentality, behavior, and all of that yeah. stuff at the time trying to be you know what I mean like apostle like <laughs> you know what I mean and then but that that was that was I was I was like falling off by the time we got engaged and was about to get married you could already feel it yeah I already I talked yeah. to her about it oh cause she was Joe's witness too oh in name and her family that's how we got linked up my man's from West Philly married a John from South Jersey that she grew up with uh-huh. from her congregation so we get married, boom, long story short, a year later she gets pregnant with our son. Um, she complained about bread a lot. Now, I made, like, she went to college, she went to Rutgers or whatever. She graduated, like, like a few days, like a couple weeks before our first anniversary. Um, then uh, we find out, my son was born September 24, 2008. Uh, she got, we found out she was pregnant, like, January of 2007. Um excuse me, January 2008. We got married December 2006. She graduated from Rutgers December 2007. She got pregnant a couple of weeks later. My son was born September 2008. Meantime, she complained about bread. Be I already like, make like way more money more. than, I already make way more money than her though. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't go to college, but I'm not stupid, kind of smart. And my father raised me to do, give 100% to everything I do, regardless of whether I want to do it, I have to do it. Yeah. So I applied that in, in, in work. You know what I'm saying? I worked my way and, up. And what were you doing at the time? I had gone, at that point, after we got married, 
I, I stopped working at the at the in the accounting department of the collections agency and went back to life insurance company that I worked at when I first graduated high school. Uh, gotcha. They already knew me. I was already dug in. Why is this joint yeah, still yeah. ringing? And I keep putting it on silent. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> but um, oh, because the speakers plugged in. So anyway, my fault. No, it's okay. And so what what do you do? What are they having you do for them at the life at the life insurance company? Yeah, like, well, what, it was what, a call center. Oh, gotcha. that's where I started. By the time I came back. The person who was my direct supervisor was like the director of the whole department at that point. So she just was like, yeah, boom. So um, I did a lot of things there. I did. It was still a call center. I wound up becoming a, a, a senior rep, they mm -hmm. call it. Take escalated calls. He did a lot of things, fund transfers of his life insurance policies. We had the life insurance side, the annuity side, right, of the call center. I worked in the life insurance side. Um, so we did uh, fund transfers for people. They have different types of life insurance policies. They're called universal life, variable universal life. Variable universal life policies are tied to the stock market. Gotcha. So people will call and want to ex make exchanges because it affects the value of their policy. I mean, there's also a whole life term, all of that. But as far as that was concerned, but before I stopped working there, they, they introduced index universal life. They asked me to go to other departments at certain points. I, I handled commissions at certain points for the, you know, the agents that actually sell it. It was a home office in Horsham. They got offices gotcha. all over the country. But those are just where they sell the, the products, the financial products. We worked in the home office, so we serviced everything. So I did a lot of stuff. I did a lot of stuff for them. Right. So I incorporate the things that I learned working corporate jobs right. in my own business. I think that's brilliant, you know man. Even if it doesn't directly apply. There's but great the, skills to have. Right. So, um, and, okay, so, but then when, when does the writing start? I wrote my first book when I worked there the first time. It was like a year, year and a half after I came back. And you just kind of caught a bug to start writing? That's... That's when I wrote this, but I just put this out in December because it's more personal. So when I decided I was going to write and start my own company yeah. after I got locked up when my son was a baby, that's when I wrote this because I'm like, that would be a better introduction. Yeah. I wrote, a, I, the reason why I started, I've always been a reader. Cool. You know what I'm saying? Like when I lived in Chicago, my parents were separated. My lived with my other grandmother, my, mo my mother's parents, my mother's mother and my mother's father. Um, and my grandmother, she started me in school, but she wanted me to know how to read before i started school like so she had me in there like drill sergeant style so um grandma's are good like that right yeah. right so uh i knew how to read i was always on the reading and then be, being a jehovah's witness later when my family became jehovah's witnesses you at school they have holiday concerts birthday parties i wasn't allowed to do go to them so i would go to the library so i'm reading all these books all the time then I get to the point where the librarian is like, oh, boom, you ran through all these other journals. She started giving me stuff above my level, like grade level, reading level, so she helped me get better. And I was just interested. I've always been like a curious type person. I loved animals when I was a young boy, dinosaur. I read everything she put in front of me. Yeah. Then when I was with the situation with the journal, before I actually wound up getting kicked out and all that other stuff, my father told me, he was like, um, maybe you should write her a letter. Because I was like, I ain't trying to boom confess she's throat and yada 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 he's like write a letter she can't interrupt you you can get your feelings out without you know all of that so i did that yeah i did and i was always in the music and my father's own recording studio in germantown before we became witnesses and all that so i would be in the rapping and yada 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 so sitting down and writing the letters like i just started spilling to her you know what i'm saying 
I was like, oh, I do express myself better in writing than I do speaking. On top of the fact that as Jehovah's Witness, my family took it very seriously. Like there's some people that are just like, oh, they just, my family took it seriously. So I'm up there giving talks, sermons. I have to write those, prepare those outlines, all of that. Yeah, so I've been doing that since a young boy. So it's kind of like went hand in hand, um, knocking on people's doors, talking, public speaking, all of that um, on the street, the subway, 30th Street Station. Boom, my grandmother in West Philly, we used to go down there at 3, 4 in the morning, talk to people, talk to homeless people, talk to whoever. So it's like when I came back from the year, I kind of wanted to get shit off my chest. So I wrote that book. Um, and I was going to start a publishing company back then because I, I've always had like entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. But when... Uh, Somebody in my immediate family caught wind of some of the subject matter, even though all the names was changed. Like, people are going to know this is us, boom, boom, boom. And they just started coming at my neck about not doing it, so I didn't do it. Damn, man. So then when I was older, you know what I mean, I, I'm on house arrest, go through all this, this shit with my cases, lawyer, you know what I mean, bailed out, you know what I mean, get, get house arrest. And I'm like, now I can't even have a good paying job. I already didn't have a degree. Like, I already didn't go to college. I worked my way up, busting my ass, but I had almost basically was at, like, the zenith of what I could reach without getting some type, at least, certification. I just did, I felt like it wasn't a good use of my time because as good as I was at it, it, w- it wasn't what I enjoyed. I hate being cooped up. I hate being in the cubicle all day. Two of us, bro. Yeah. Two of us. So when you're a creative type person, it's like, it, like, it's kills your soul. for you, Yeah, man. like, kills your soul. Kill- another podcast too I was, I was like it doesn't seem that crazy it's like you have a good job whatever you're in an office but for I think for creative folks right. there's something about it that like just weighs so heavy on you and right. it's almost unbearable to right. where it's like you are about to lose your fucking mind especially if you already got other nut shit going on <laughs> like if you having mar- like I'm having I was having marital problems right. at the time and I was having the, and then family problems because I wasn't following the religion right. no more but I'm grown I, I been ain't live with y'all but now y'all fleeing me even yeah. though I'm not this fellowship this time yeah. y'all fle- so I'm going through all this shit and it's like what am I what the fuck am I doing this for like I'm I'm sitting here I know why I'm doing it and that's part of what happened <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get back into DJing. I ain't DJ since I got back from New York, but I'm going to get back since 99, but I'm going to get back into DJing. Um, I came up with this plan to, you know, either buy DJ equipment, but I was chilling with this one boy that I also happened to work with mm-hmm. for years. So we talking or whatever, because we used to chill a lot, you know, inside and outside of work. And uh, I was telling him this, but then on the other hand, I'm like, I ain't DJ since 99. This is what, 2008, after my son is born. My wife complained about bread and yada, yada, yada. I'm yeah. like, look, I make, way, I make like 10, 15 stacks more a year than you do, and you're a teacher. I'm saying, like, I'm doing it. I'm not working two jobs anymore. I done, for the first time in my life, I worked two jobs right before we got married. Once my son was born, I'm not doing that anymore. If you don't mind me asking, and maybe this is too personal, why good. did she want you to make more money? Was it to buy shit? Were you having a hard time scraping? Was there... Is there anything other than just the status of making It's work? just, you know, um, when people don't, some some people, um, two, three, four, look at that. Some <laughs> people have a false sense of finances. Yeah. Especially based on how they're raised. Uh, Whether you're, you don't have to be rich, but if your parents 
don't prioritize if you're not taught the value of money and you go straight from your parents house to living with your husband and you think because he make more money than the average person in their early mid-20s when you meet him it has a car crib nice car apartment all of that stuff that you think that when he takes on your bills <laughs> y'all have bills together it's going to be all of that it's not going to be all of that you want to have the same status and you want to be able to spend four hundred dollars a month on your hair weave a bean a, a month yeah. on 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 nails you just got your license when we first started dating so now my car insurance up going up my um my health yeah my health my health coverage from the job is going up because uh. you know i have another person on here now so if you used to me taking you out, we dating. Like it ain't even about I'm buying you. It's just we dating. Yeah. That's what I do. Right, right. It's different though. I still live by myself. You live with your peoples. You used to spending. So now you got to contribute. Uh -huh. And you don't have. We don't have as much disposable income. And gotcha. you're not with it. You're not with it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you. You're not feeling it. Because that pressure. That'll fuck with their head, man. Right, and as yeah. a man that want to provide. Exactly. And it's funny how a lot of these females be on this independent talking shit, and they really not. They really not independent. Even if they are, they getting help that men don't get. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's from a dude. You know what I'm saying? Whether do dude they're dating, their father, whoever. You know what I'm saying? If you never live by yourself, especially females that age, you don't know what it's really. Or even dudes, but dude, it don't affect me. But it never right. affect me. Exactly. You don't, you don't live by yourself. You don't really know what it's like to have to pay bills. Let's see how you're able to pay for extra shit when you have to yeah. pay bills every month i made a decent amount of money but that was when that i was, was single fast too man. Yeah, yeah that was when i was single you know what i'm saying yeah. like and i didn't have no kids you know what i'm saying like so we get married boom there's there's you know and then if you uh always want to spend bread spend bread on dumb shit now it's become and i don't want to tell you no not because i'm trying to support but because you're my wife yeah yeah you know what i'm saying like and then when i got to tell you no you throw a temper tantrum like you a fucking child like that's not cool it started a lot of issues yeah so that's why i got to the point where it's like all right boom i'm not working a second job after my son is is born i'm not spending that time making 10 11 dollars an hour at a second job i make 40 something thousand dollars salary for my day job no, now I'm, I'm spending i'm working 75 hours a week between both jobs and i have a newborn no i'm yeah. not doing that so i started doing other type of hustles before i got into thinking you know what i'm gonna start djing again but then i'm talking to my homie about the my homie about these things in wind up deciding oh you know what let's just buy weight because i haven't dj'd in so long uh, that it's going to take me a minute to get that up i need money now if i'm going to take these thousands these few racks to invest and i don't have a name as a dj anymore yeah let's so it was it was a decent run at first i got booked i lived out southwest 12 we was living down uh corman suites 84th and Lindbergh, me, you know, me, me and her and son when he's my son when he was a baby. Long story short, 12th district bagged me. Come to find out a year later, a little over a year later, I got snitched on by him. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Green motherfuckers. That's so that's how it goes. Yeah, so that's you know I me, mean? I paid I paid like I weighed, paid a D, got a good lawyer who happened to be friends and went to school with 
uh, Seth Williams, who had just become the DA at that point, right before my a few months before my case closed. We know what happened with Seth. Mm. So probably some of that money went to Seth. I don't know. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. But at the end of the day, I got my house arrest deal. You know what I'm saying? Without. And the funny part is, like I was telling somebody last week, don't believe the hype. They never asked me where I got my weight from, where I got my burner from. <laughs> Motherfuckers be, be volunteering to snitch. Like I wasn't going to snitch regardless, but they right. never even asked me. Yeah. Like they never asked me. Which kind of made it suspect to me in the first place based on, you know, whatever. But right. it was just like, they was just so sure when they pulled me over. I wasn't violating no traffic laws. Yeah. My paperwork was straight. I always got pulled over because I had a relatively new Pontiac Grand Prix rimmed if, up, if, bombed if they out. If you have tints at all, they're going yeah, to... My brother got pulled over with having tints. Right, I got, I got pulled over all the time, especially working out in Horsham and all of that. But at the end of the day, my paperwork was straight, so they kept let me keep it moving yeah. every time. They just harassed me. This time, they just ran up in my shit. So that's how I wound up saying oh, I'm going okay. to start my publishing company while I was on House gotcha. of Gotcha. Okay, so that's kind of how it comes. To, so that's actually a good point and a, a good transition into I'd love to talk to you about now this sort of that, the writing stage of your career. How do, because that is a big obstacle in itself is just getting started. Right. right? And especially with writing, uh, myself included, I, I, I don't write. Now, I'm more writing songs, but sometimes mm -hmm. for me, I sit down and you just see that blinking cursor coming at you, and that can be like the biggest weight in the world. How do you, how do you overcome that, that voice in the back of your head that says, Jay, you're not good enough to do this, Jay, whatever, so on and so forth, to just say, you know what, screw it. Like That voice that says, there are already a million books, Jay, why yours? To say, the world needs to hear my book. How do you find that moment of initial inspiration to kind of get you going? I just have too many ideas. Uh, there was a couple of things. What am I going to do? Now I got to provide, um, regardless of you know what the situation was going to be or what I thought it was going to be, or what I wound up being with, you know, my wife at the time. I got to provide for her, my son, regardless. You know what I'm saying. Now I just got to. I got to provide for myself regardless. Right. So and my son now that he's alive. So I got to regardless of whether me or her was going. Because when I was I, I broken up with her right before I went on house arrest. I just wasn't going to keep dealing with it. I, I didn't know I was going on house arrest. I thought I was going upstate. I wasn't spending my last few months yeah. dealing with that. My last few months of freedom. I was facing five to ten. I wasn't doing it. You know what I'm saying? So I arranged for her and my son to live with my people when they still lived out here before they moved to Arizona, and went through a lot of shit you know what I'm saying but at the end of the day we wound up getting back together after I got off house arrest moved us to Upper Darby boom 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 there's a lot of shit but regardless I gotta do what I gotta do yeah. so how am I gonna do that if I already wanted to have my own business and I run I was like it was crazy cause I was like this summer it was January 2010 I got booked and I said this summer is gonna be cool because I basically matched my work income in the streets so I'm like, this summer, regardless, now, yeah, I'm going to open the studio. I'm going to start an independent record label. I'm going to start DJing again. All that other shit, I was like, I'm going to start doing. I get booked in January. Like, I literally had a conversation with the bull like a month beforehand. You know what I'm saying? About this summer, this summer, this summer, I'm going to quit the job. So now it's like, well, I'm going to go out and I could do it if I had to, get a job at fast food, but mm, I'm cool. Yeah, especially it's not like... 
it's not like I haven't had uh, uh, any other jobs in the past that were good paying jobs without a degree. So now it's like, uh, to be talked, I never really liked being talked to a certain type of way. I know how to take it on the chin, but it's hard enough to take it on the chin for decent money. Exactly. Take it on the chin for pennies, I'm cool. Yeah. So I'd rather just devote that to this. And it, like anything, the way my father raised me, I give my father credit for me being alive, let alone, you know, the positive, some of the positive aspects that I have as far as integrity and hard work. Because at the end of the day, and I'm grateful for that because he ain't even have his father coming up. So, um, like, I, exactly. Like, I never even met my grandfather. You know what I'm saying? So, that one. You know what I'm saying? So, at the end of the day, it's like, you got to do what you got to do. So, do it all the way. So, if it's not better, if it's not, excuse me, if it's not, Nobody perfect. You always go, so everything you do, whatever it is, you, you, there's room for improvement. Even if you're nice, you can still get better. You know what I'm saying? So as far as my ideas and my books and my, whatever I produce, I'm, plus I, I think literacy is so important, especially for black people, young, young black kids. Like you look, I'll be out here selling books on the street sometimes as if... It's drugs because any type of weather I could do it with that, I can do it with these. If I need money, I got books on deck. I'm gonna go sell them. If if I if they ain't selling fast enough online, I need the money in my hand right now anyway. So and I hear people say, CDs. "Yeah, exactly." Yeah. I hear, "Oh, I don't read." Okay, maybe maybe you should start. Like we used to not be allowed to read under penalty of death during slavery and even post-slavery Jim Crow era. The fact that a lot of people think it's thorough or think it's cool to not read to me is corny. Yeah. It's corny. Like, it's a false narrative that we need. to. So that's another, it's like a kind of a mission of mine and I have a son. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, I feel like everything happens for a reason, though. You can make a reason out of whatever happened. And I feel like maybe that's why things happen from not just even since I've been an adult, but since a young boy with my yeah. with my parents breaking up, us moving to Chicago, my grandmother drilling the, the reading into me. But like all this stuff, I feel like it was a culmination. Yeah, it's like a culmination. That's kind of why I, over the past few years and researching even since me and my ex-wife broke up a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, having more time and, you know, all this stuff to read on my own and study and get deeper. And that's why I got into synchronicities and some of the metaphysics as far as just information. Like I don't really like stone cold follow anything like as far as dogma, because you can turn that into like a religion and then you get into a box and it makes you not as fluid and not be able to handle what you need to handle in your daily life. But with synchronicities, boom. Okay. Cause that's some shit I started. It's like, I feel like everything, I mean, like, yeah. everybody got a purpose here. I guess maybe that's my purpose, yes. and that's why my life went the way it went. So, you know, for young men that are, um, I'm not sure if that's part of your target audience, but what what are what's some advice maybe that you offer to young men or I mean, words of wisdom? That my target audience, in general, just to address that real yeah. quick, my target audience is anybody that likes reading. <laughs> okay, cool. But my real target audience, like when I first started my business and tried to get loans that I wasn't able to get, but um, in the business plan was like the my my motto or slogan or whatever is the ultimate in urban literature. Oh, cool. So it's like people that like to read about certain things, you gonna get it in a different type of way. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna be engrossed in the story like any if it's a hood novel, 
like the first book that I put out. That's why I put that book out first because the Prodigal Son book is way, it's a hood novel and yeah. there's a lot of street shit in it, but it has a lot of family type shit, family dynamics, mental health shit, religious type shit. It has a lot of stuff in there that ain't, if that was my first book, people would be like, what type of time is he on? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the Illegal Life people already <laughs> liked that, John, because it was a straight hood book. But even at the end, that didn't go the way, I'm not glorifying none of it, but you think I am? Boy getting money, he get the bitches, yada, 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 he got wills, like all of that type stuff. But the way it ends, I'm not promoting none of that. So you get caught up in it, thinking everything all gravy, you identify with him, you know yeah. people like that, boom, boom, you might yeah. have done that. What happens to the main character in Legal Life in North Philly story happened to my young boy like 15 years ago. A lot of stuff has changed, a lot of stuff has changed. Merge with different stories and different circumstances, but the main thing is what happened to the boy happened to him. So, so it's a creative nonfiction, so it's based based, reality based is what I call based. okay. Reality cool. based is what I call it. Oh, okay, that's um, so. At the end of the day, my advice is whatever you're going to do, do it to the best of your ability. Do the research. Don't think it's going to be easy. Don't expect to blow. Don't expect to pop real quick. Yeah. Or and your motivation shouldn't be about the bread. I mean, we all got to make money. You know what I'm saying? But the less responsibilities you have, like you have people out here like on some materialistic shit and it and then they wind up selling their soul yeah. and they wind up not putting out the best product. So you might be cool right now. And people got different priorities. So I'm not here right. to like whatever. But I'm just saying, especially as an art an artistic person, creative person, whatever it is, like be focused on the art. And I also would say I, I encourage independence. I encourage, like, the game has changed from even when I was a young boy and rapping and wanted to be signed to Bad Boys because I wanted to chill with Biggie and yeah. Locks and I wanted to smash Lil' Kim yeah, when yeah, she, yeah. I used to think she looked good. Yeah. I mean, when you mean when she still had the brown hair. And was, like, I used to think Lil' Kim was bad when the hardcore album came out. I used to want to smash. I wanted to get signed. To, that was my main motivation for wanting to get signed <laughs> to Bad Boy when I was a young boy. But the That's art it. was the farthest thing from, yeah. I mean, from, I love yeah. rapping, but at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, like, things have changed. Like, they didn't have we didn't have the internet back then. That's a huge You couldn't comment. like up north, nobody was talk, talking or thinking about being independent. Right. There was a few artists that is like uh even like in the in the city, like Ram Squad, uh, you know, whoever that was like kinda low key like independent, but they never got the nationwide. Yeah. You know what I mean the way that people can do now or even down south people been doing on some independent shit for a minute. You know what I'm saying? So now that we have the internet and everybody has a platform, work on your craft, perfect your craft to the best of your ability, put out the best possible product. Patience is a virtue. 100%. So instead of rushing something that's subpar, I mean, like, do you, would you be proud? Be proud of what you put out is my main thing. Be proud of what you put out. Like, not just, don't just do it for a check, yo. Like, because at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. If you cool with looking at yourself in the mirror because you got a big chain on now, because you, that, that's, that's your thing. But, as an, but don't expect to get the respect from people who love the art form or whatever you're in. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If you, it, don't, don't expect that. That's why there's this beef now with the mumble rap right. in, the, in the older generation. Yeah. For anybody out there who's an aspiring writer, maybe what advice do you have for the folks that want to do something like fiction or creative nonfiction or even yeah bottom line research 
Because before I started my business, I researched whether I was even going to try to get a book deal or if I was just going to start my own business. And, and would you, you know, just to touch on that, what did you find? What, why did you decide to go into It's a lot like music industry. Ah. Publishing is publishing is publishing. Mm-hmm. So if you can have the patience and the, and the whatever and the focus, it's a job. And it's, 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 it's a lot of work. You're not just going. So if, you, if you're not built for that, if you're, be honest with yourself, if you're not built for that, or don't have the resources, whether it's financial or mental or emotional resources, to basically do everything yourself and and pay people to do the things that you're either not willing or able to, or have the time or patience to learn. Yeah. Then just you know link with somebody who can. Right. Get a manager. Get a even an independent record Because at the end of the day, me just my thing was. I'd rather own my own. I don't want to have anybody to have the rights, especially as a creative person. They can exactly. tell you what to do. Exactly. You got to, for instance, the average book, you get a book deal. It takes 18 to 24 months from the time that they accept your manuscript and say that we want to work with you for the book to actually hit the shelves if it doesn't get shelved just like an album. In the meantime, you have to write the man, uh, rewrite typically a manuscript according to their specifications. There's a lot of advances. Same thing. They give you an advance. Yeah. That's not money that you're supposed to spend on yourself. It's money that you're supposed to spend on promoting the book once it drops. Yeah. Or promoting the album once it drops. So it's very similar. So you just got to research and based on your personality and what you know about yourself, being honest with yourself, what you're willing to do. But that would be the first thing, research. And if you decide to pursue it, then you got to, you can't. This, the instant gratification is not something that's going to happen, you know, unless maybe you're connected. And that's the truth. And so, Jay, before I get you out of here, tell me about what you got going on. We touched on it a little bit, but this is also stuff that I'll plug all at the beginning in the show notes. I'll all hit right, you one good. text, too, before I to get your links. But so um, tell people a little bit about sort of the books that you already have out, which we, we touched on, mm-hmm. social if they want to get in touch with you, and sort of what's what's next for you? What can we, what next, you know, coming upcoming projects, upcoming months? Okay, well, A Legal Life and North Philly Story is I'll the link first, it. yeah, first, but I got a new cover and that'll be out soon. Prodigal Son Book One, those are out. Paperchasepublications.com is the website. A Legal Life is on uh, Amazon. I'm slow about putting stuff on Amazon because I got to break down with what? them and all yeah, this other yeah. stuff. Rather, you go directly to my website or hit me up, 888-399-0365. I uh, deliver locally. I mean, I do, I do events and vend that stuff, all of that. What about uh, so, so, your social tags? So, like social that. media, uh, paper, at Paper Chase Publications is Instagram. Paper Dash Chase Publications is Facebook and YouTube. Cool. I haven't used Twitter in so long. It's like Jason Rohn, the writer, or Jay, the writer. Something like that. I can't even well, remember. I don't, use Twitter, I don't even I have I haven't used it um, in like over a year. Um, yeah. So, Ghost Writing, 888-399-0365. Um, and so I got the project. The yeah, next project. Come, next? The next project that is going to likely be out. Uh, from my Paper Chase publications is going to be the book that I'm writing for the sister that I told you about. Um, so that, that'll that be out. I ain't even going to do too much. No, but I I'll say Tears Behind the Veil. I'll give it the plug. That's the name of the Dope. book. Tears Behind the Veil. Um, I got some other books. I got a book that I've been writing for my son. Um, toy, toying with Jewels for Your Crown. Oh, the world is yours because it's like advice I got the motivation when I started being kept from him like in case I die 
what do I want him to know? Yeah, man, I think that's a really touching uh, perspective to come at a book from, and 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 dope, and it's just true. And then Suicide Tuesday, I, I'm gonna tell you the books that's probably gonna drop from me. Cool. In 2018, Suicide Tuesday, which is a whole like psychological thriller hood novel. Dope. You know what I'm saying deals with Molly. I got mm-hmm. that. I came up with that idea a few years ago. When Molly was, the, you know what I mean? Remember yeah. when Molly was like the craze? Absolutely. Um, came up with that idea, psychological hood thriller. Um, so Suicide Tuesday. So I'll say Tears Behind the Veil. It's Jahan uh, Smith. It's, that's her her book. Uh, you know, probably a prequel and a sequel I've been working on for a legal life, a North Philly story. But right now the priorities is Suicide Tuesday, Tears Behind the Veil as far as books, uh, you know, Jewels for Your Crown, The World is Yours, whatever. I'm going to name that book for my son um, as far as books this year. Audio books um, for every book and then maybe soundtracks, maybe movie. We got some stuff. I got some stuff in the works. That's what's up. Yeah. Jay, so. Well, y'all, you Thank you for first. having me, bro. Dude, thank you for tuning in. Jay, thank you for, for letting me kick with you. you uh, know. Thank you, people. I'll link everything in the show notes again if you want any of those links. I'll hook it up. Thank you. Thank you so much again for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate you. If you like the episode, please subscribe and rate. Leave a rating. Leave a comment. Tell me what you think trying to make this thing better. All right, see you next week. Peace.